As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's Sentence Clarity Rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com podcasts. Hi, this is Chris from The Morning Mix on 101.9 The Mix. This is a very special episode of The Morning Mix podcast. Today, we chatted with three mental health professionals to discuss the emotional response to the tragic events in Highland Park on July 4th. The following conversations include topics like response to the trauma of the event, how we can identify that in our friends, our loved ones, and those closest to us, and the ways we can talk to children about this unbelievable tragedy. We begin with Dory Mages. She is a licensed clinical professional counselor and the founder of North Shore Family Services. We spoke to Dory live on the air this morning on The Morning Mix on 101.9 The Mix. We are all still uh, reeling a little bit, feeling uh, heavy hearts after what happened on Monday in Highland Park. And I know there are a lot of big questions out there for all of us about our, ourselves and how we're dealing with the tragedy, about how our families are dealing with it, our friends who were there all of the people that we know in the North Shore communities over there near Highland Park who may have been there or new people that were there and just the horrors of what happened. And so we thought it would be nice to uh, welcome Dory Mages, and she's the founder of North Shore Family Services. So hi, Dory. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. Um, yesterday, our team was talking about ways that, like, what can we do? How can we get involved? And we thought that this would be a great conversation for us to have with you. Uh, and what has your team been doing in response to what happened on Monday, have you? Got, I assume you've been working kind of around the clock. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been um, it's been a whirlwind, and um, the community's really come together. Um, many of group practice owners and therapists in the community have volunteered their time and offering additional openings. Uh, where every practice in the country is full right now with a waiting list. Mm-hmm. And with this recent tragedy, we just find time. This is what we do. Uh, we come together as a community, and we offer a virtual crisis groups. We're having that through North Shore Family Services. Um, we've got events on Eventbrite, free of charge, um, drop-in on a virtual session, um, just to make sure that everybody has a place to talk and, and have that support from from those around them and therapists if they need it. Um other community members have gone to the Highland Park High School. Uh, we've been coordinating with the hospital. Um, you may have seen Dr. Brigham Temple on the news. Uh, he's a colleague of mine, and he is the disaster preparedness specialist at the hospital, and we're coordinating with him to try to get uh, crisis teams together to offer support and help in crisis trauma management. The conversation around mental health um, really took 
a greater, more uh, national view, I would say, throughout the pandemic, especially over the last couple of years. And now having a tragedy like this happen here at home, not even close to home, but at home for so many of us. What are some of the coping techniques or or uh, things that you and your team would recommend to folks who uh, are feeling kind of heavy hearts in response to what happened? few things. One, know that you're going to have different emotions throughout the day, and it's okay to be sad at moments, and it's okay to be angry at moments, and times you're going to feel a little bit more energized and be able to take in some lighthearted information and events, um, but it's all normal. You're going to be going through a grief process. Um, find ways that kind of give you joy. You might need some distractions. We were talking about that with some of our teenagers yesterday, that distractions are very normal. You need that. It's heavy. It's hard to be in that moment all the time. And all the therapists right now, that's what we're doing 24-7 pretty much. Uh, Many of us haven't slept very much, uh, but we're we're there to support and all the first responders are doing that. So find ways to give you some peace, some joy, um, having some friends to talk to. If you have a therapist, uh, reach out. We'll fit you in. Um, If you don't have a therapist, uh, there are people at Highland Park High School, therapists, counselors, social workers, people that can uh, be there to help and support. And I'm sure this will be ongoing for the foreseeable future. Yeah, you mentioned teenagers. One of the more difficult topics and conversations we've had here off air even is just us talking about our children and how do we talk to our kids. I have a three-year-old and a nine-month-old. Nikki has a 12-year-old. Mm. Whip has a 14-year-old and, and, a, and a couple younger and than And 10 that. and 8, yep. And 10 and 8. And the idea that even yeah. these little kids are feeling it, you mm-hmm. know, and what kind of things or ways, how, how do we talk to our children about what happened? Talk to them at their developmental level. Don't give them information that they haven't thought of yet or that they're not processing yet. And and they'll come up with different questions as time goes on, as we process it, right? We're watching the news. We're finding out more information. And we're going to have more questions, and so will they. Um, Be as supportive as you can. Let them ask those questions. If they're not ready to talk about it, don't force them to. But they'll come to you in that time and uh, help them understand that – it, it is a tragedy. It's something awful that happened. I know we've got children listening and teens listening, but um, I want to be cognizant of that, too. But how, how can we support each other or take some action? Um, I have a client yesterday that was baking, and I said, maybe you can offer some ways to help that way. Um, whatever you can do that would feel like you have a purpose and you're helping out, I think that gives us some strength and some empowerment, too. Yeah, we're talking with Dory Mages. She's a licensed clinical social worker and the founder of North Shore Family Services. And you brought up a great point that actually you almost answered what I was going to ask. So with a 12-year-old, he's almost taking in so much information. Now, when he was younger, I remember when the Vegas incident happened, I kind of put a block on all news at home because he knew I worked Lollapalooza. He knew I went to a lot of events like that, and I didn't want him to be scared for me. So now that he's 12 and can get all this information, I think as a parent, it's like where, how do we, is it, is it good to know all of that is there is should we be limiting it this is where i get very confused and how what's best for him it's going to be different for every kid some kids need that information anxiety comes from the unknown so if they don't have the information they could be more anxious but sometimes having it can heighten that as well so you have to know your kids um you made a great point you're at Lollapalooza. he knows what these events look like so how do you reassure appropriately without promising something that you really can't in that moment and um, giving him that information of, you know, here's here's what we have in place. Here are the safety precautions we have in place. We've talked about trauma. We've talked about 
um, school incidents as well. What, what's already in place? How are we doing what we can to protect us? And sometimes bad people come. Yeah. And how do we cope with that? And mm-hmm. what do we do? Yeah, thank you. Now, Dory, um, mm-hmm. you and your team obviously being available around the clock um, and kind of continuing to be, we have a lot of the resources that you shared with us yesterday. We posted those at WTMX.com and folks can text HELP HP to 60123 with more of those. Obviously, a lot of us are feeling a certain way right now. Do you find that often things come in waves and there may be some folks who are feeling okay right now, but in the coming weeks, it it might land in them in a different way? Does that often happen? Yes. Grief isn't linear. You're going to feel certain moments and then you're going to feel okay for a little bit and something might remind you of the day or the event and you think about it and and it's going to pop up at different times. It's unexpected. It's a grief and a loss. Um, So it's not going to be linear. You're going to have waves where you feel great. Um, Feels like a normal day and all of a sudden you think of something else or uh, something pops up in the news or somebody says something that reminds you of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in the community we're seeing you know, pictures of all the items that are left behind. The communities really come together. People are offering to go pick up their items so they don't have to go back to the main street where the parade was occurring and and have all those images and, and revisit that so quickly. Well, and you bring up a good point. So a lot of us are affected by this in so many different ways. But I wanted to know, Dory, how do you navigate those conversations with people who were there that day? If we're encountering someone who really was very close to this to this major event that happened, what feels like in our backyard to all of us. Um, what are some things that we can do to be empathetic and to uh, support them? Or what does that conversation look like in a healthy way? They'll guide you. They'll let you know what they need in that moment if they can. And sometimes it's not saying anything. Sometimes it's just being there where they have a, an open ear to listen and being able to share their experience. Sometimes they want to talk about it, sometimes they don't. And they may have different ways of that. And just letting them know that you, you're there to support them and listen and to help any way you can. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to imagine what people had seen there in that moment and um, asking questions and being available. When they'll the ne- tell you if they're ready or they're not. Yeah. Right. When the next event comes, I don't mean the next tragedy, I mean the next big event, the next parade, the next anything that you might want to do with your family that a lot of people might go to, and your kid says, basically, I want a guarantee that nothing's going to happen. You, As a parent, you want to give them that guarantee, but you can't give them the guarantee. You don't want to flat out lie, but of course you want them to feel as safe as possible. In a non-clinical way, what can I say that is truthful but also very reassuring where they will feel safe because that's your job to make them feel safe or just you can't shut yourself in your house, right? Right, right. And and that's what we've talked about too is that empowerment to, to know that we're not going to let this person take this joy away from us. Fourth of July celebration is a family event. It's, it's going to parades. It's seeing fireworks and, and enjoying that time. Um, telling your kids that your job is to keep them safe and if you had inclinations that it, something isn't right, you practice with them. This is what we're going to do if something happens. And maybe not in that moment as you're leaving the house to give them more anxiety. But um, I remember as a kid, we had special secret codes if, if a kidnapper was coming or somebody bad was coming to the school or to the house. Kids these days are having active shooter drills in the schools. Like we had um, hurricane and 
and tornado drills. Um, they're they're accustomed to it in a sort of sick, normalized way. And so we can say to them, we're, you know, these are the precautions we're taking. Look, I see a police officer there, and this is what we can do. Um, we don't want to stay in our houses forever, but we want to be able to try to live our lives and and feel as safe as we possibly can. Well, Dory, thank you so much for all of the work that you and your team have been doing, not only in the last um, few days, but over the last, uh, it was 1995, was it, when you founded North Shore Family Services? Is that right? No, uh, I've been in the practice in the field for since ah, 1994, but okay. we started the practice 10 years ago. Okay, well, yeah. thank you for everything. A long that, time I've been here. Yeah, yeah you're you. a, a wonderful impact on the community, and we're so grateful that you were willing to take some time to join us this morning. Uh, we all really felt this is a really important conversation to have, and I think an important conversation for us all to continue to have. We've posted a lot of the resources that Dory shared with us at WTMX.com. You can text HELP HP to 60123. Dory is a licensed clinical social worker. She's the founder of North Shore Family Services. Dory, thank you so, so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. Of course. And uh, there are virtual community crisis groups that we're offering through North Shore Family Services. Uh, free of charge, just register on Eventbrite. We want to make sure that we um, are only um, having people in there who should be in a group, um, not somebody who shouldn't be there and isn't safe. And um, there are community members and counselors available at Highland Park Hospital in the next few days, so there's drop-ins. Thank you so much for that information. Thank you, Dory, and good luck to you and your team. Thanks for all the work. We hope you can get some rest. Uh, and, and maybe uh, we can send some coffee your way or something, if anything to help. <laughs> I'm not a coffee drinker, okay, but well, we'll, we'll push on by, and, and if we can offer support anytime. Thanks so much for having you. me. Thank you, Dory. Thanks so much. Uh, that's kind of one of those moments where those are the heroes around us. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we were talking about Thor this morning. There's a superhero, but if you want to yeah. see a real one, they are all around us right now. So, Dory, thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope that you were able to find at least some information in that conversation that's helpful for you, helpful for your family. Well, just um, having the conversation at is all, one of those I think, is important. That, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's a step in the right direction. After chatting with Dory Magus from North Shore Family Services, I was also able to have a conversation with two other licensed clinical professional counselors. First, I chatted with Vanessa Morales Lopez. She is a licensed clinical professional counselor from Rise Wellness and Therapy, PLLC. And this is my conversation with Vanessa. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for taking the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're, I mean, I'm so grateful that you're here. So you are a licensed clinical professional counselor. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Okay, so so many of us are kind of reeling uh, in the wake of what happened on Monday in Highland Park. And this morning we actually spoke with uh, a licensed uh, clinical counselor uh, from North Shore Family Services. And uh, I'm so grateful to speak to you as well because I think so many people, including us here at The Mix, are dealing with the uh, emotional sort of toll that is coming from the incident, whether we were there or we know people who were there or we're just seeing it on the news and it's so at home. It's so, I mean, often we see these things and they seem like they're far away and here we are at home, this happens. Um, And I think 
even for those who weren't there, there might be symptoms of trauma that start to present themselves. Are there things that we should be looking out for with our friends and loved ones? Yes, definitely. Um, that's a really great question to ask. And so the things that I immediately just think about is, first, I just want to validate how anybody might feel um, yeah. and just acknowledge that whatever you're feeling is appropriate and okay, regardless if you were there, if you know somebody was there, um, if you were in the general area, or if you're just like, hey, this happened in Chicago and this happened in my city, um, that all of those feelings that can come up for you are, are completely appropriate and understandable. And so one of the pieces that I also want to acknowledge as well is, is the grief experience. And, and that's a part of it as well that you're kind of naming, which is, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening here. And one of the stages of grief is actually bargaining. And that's when you're trying to make sense of things. That's when you're having the what ifs. That's when you are trying to find somebody to blame or to be angry. And what I think about in, in the community is that you don't want to allow the mistrust or some of the feelings of anger to overtake while you're trying to make sense of what happened. Right. Um, and, and that's actually one of the symptoms of trauma as well to keep an eye out for. So if you're seeing somebody that has become more withdrawn, more isolation, more quiet, or even more irritable, those can be a sign that they are having a response to trauma. Okay. Um, in the immediate after fact, if you were in the general area or if you maybe witnessed something or if you saw some videos of it, you may start having difficulty sleeping. You may have trouble eating. Um, you may find that you're having some more strong emotions or it's easier to fall into strong emotions. Um, or sometimes you may find yourself getting really, really busy. Like you're trying to distract yourself and trying uh -huh. to do as many different things as possible. Um, and, and all of those could potentially be the warning sign that, you know, you might be having a strong response. And, and another piece that I want to make sure to name too is that everybody has a different response in their own timeline. Right. And what I mean by that is somebody might have an immediate response to the crises and immediately they're having the symptoms and, you know, immediately they're having this strong sense of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. And, and they're feeling it very like visceral. Somebody else might not notice it until about two weeks or potentially even a little bit longer. And that could be because you're having that delayed response. Part of that is your survival piece taking over where you're just in shock and your survival piece is telling you not, now is not the time to feel it. We got to stay safe. We got to respond. Um, we have to keep going. But then you might notice it later on. And that's something to keep in mind of, too, is that it's not just immediately after. It could be a couple weeks after as well. And I know you mentioned that you work with um, folks across all age groups from young kids all the way to adults. Mm -hmm. And in the things we're talking about now, for a lot of adults who have the emotional communication tools to be able to either identify why they're feeling how they're feeling, identify it in their partner or their coworkers or their friends, and then to be able to have a conversation about it, that's one thing. But when it's a young child, I, I mean, we have a three-year-old daughter at home and I don't, you know, she's not totally aware of what's happened. She probably feels the emotion in my wife and I at our, you know, or felt it on the day at our family's get together that we were in the middle of when this happened. But for mm -hmm. parents out there or for people around little kids, what are sort of the things that we can look out for in little kids to help them learn to identify these emotions? Thank you. Thank you so much for just sharing that. I'm, I'm so sorry that you had that experience and it's so close for you. Um, and, you know, and to have a little one, um, I know I myself, I have, I have a three-year-old as well. Oh, okay. Um, and, and so something I think about with, with some of the smaller ones is if they, 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 
regulate. And so what I oftentimes is to also just check in with your own body and your own feelings and to give yourself what you need. If that means giving yourself space, then, then do that. If that means you need to take a break, then do that. Take care of your body and in that moment. You don't have to keep pushing through. Um, and what I also ask parents to do or caregivers, you know, to do most times as well is it's okay to name your feelings. So mm. sometimes with caregivers, they're, they're sad or they're upset or they're mad. And what happens? Their child notices and they're like, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? What's happening? Why are you sad? And sometimes we try to mask it and say, oh, I'm not sad. I'm happy. And it's like smiling while you're crying. Yeah. Um, and that's confusing for a child. They don't understand that. So at that age, they're learning affect identification. They're learning how to name feelings. And they're learning it from you. And if if you're telling them confusing messages of, I'm not sad, I'm happy while you're crying, they're like, hmm, what's happening there? Um, and so what I, I try to give caregivers permission to do, it's okay to feel and it's okay to name your feelings. You're actually doing emotional modeling for them and you're helping to name feelings for them, but you're also going to show them that you bounce back. Yeah. And that gives them permission to feel and it's like, look, mommy felt sad or daddy felt sad and, and now they're okay. So I know that if I feel sad, I will be okay too. And that is such a powerful message for them to receive um, and, and for you to model for them. Yeah, modeling um, the modeling of the piece that I will say for little ones as well is to help them name their feelings. Like, oh, I noticed that you know, just had a little bit of a pout there. Are you feeling sad? Like, what's going on? And helping them notice what's happening in their body. Like, how does your chest feel? How does your heart feel? How's your breath? I noticed you're taking deep breath. Um, and that helps them to do like body identification and notice, noticing the feelings inside their body. And that's a really amazing skill to give them. Um, because then that gives them the insight so that way they can regulate their feelings as they continue to get older. Yeah, I think so often, um, I know we see it all the time in movies and in TV, you see people say, I'm just, I need to be strong. And we'll see that in real life yeah. where people go, oh, no, I'm going to be strong for my family or I'm going to be strong for my friends. I'm going to be strong for and they bury down the real emotions that they're having. You know, I never want to judge anybody else's experience. You know, right. we're, we're all using the tools that we were given. Right. Maybe that was what was modeled for them. And that's part of their survival techniques of how they get through. But what I instead might invite somebody to do is it's also strong to be vulnerable. And, and it's also a really hard thing to be vulnerable and to open up and to let others in. And, you know, as a therapist, one of the things I think about is if we've experienced trauma in relationship or trauma in community, let's heal in relationship and let's heal in community. So allowing others in to heal together. And while we're being strong with them and being vulnerable, we're giving them permission to also be vulnerable with you too. And that's when we're taking care of one another. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, so I, I do think it's okay to, to let those things out and, and, and to take that time. Are there any resources you recommend for people? We've shared a list on our website at WTMX.com um, that's put together of all sorts of things, ways people can get involved with the Highland Park community and also uh, resources for folks uh, who may need them um, to help identify how they're feeling, to help identify how to work through those things with their family. Are there any resources or a website you would recommend um, for people to go to learn more information? Yeah, of course, definitely. Um, what I would say is that if they have younger children, um, one of the links, and I can also share that with you, yeah. is, uh, let's see, I'm so sorry. 
Um, it's NCTSN, so the National Child Trauma Stress Network. Um, and on there, it has all different types of resources um, of things to notice for, for children from all age groups, from the younger children to the, uh, like the middle schoolers to the teenagers, as well as resources. And they also have some things even posted on there in response to the July 4th incident that occurred um, with that shooting. Um, so that is a really great resource that you can use there. Um, I also know that Compass is also doing some live online Zoom calls as well to get some an opportunity to, to log in, to ask questions, to get information. Um, and so that is also something to, to think about as well. If you want me to, I can definitely send you those links and then you can help share those as well. Yeah, please do. And I'll put those links in the description of the podcast. So wherever you're listening, you can look at the description and click through on any of these links to find more information. That'll be great. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm so happy to help. And then yeah. if there's more, I'll definitely be able to send them to you. Yeah, thank you so much. And Vanessa, thank you for taking the time uh, to chat today. I know that uh, these are hard conversations to have, I think, in general, but it's so comforting to have um, a, a professional who's versed in this language to be able to talk through it, to offer tools, to offer tips. Um, and I think, moreover, just let us recognize that, you know, there is the the popular phrase now of it's OK not to be OK. And I think a lot of us are yeah. feeling that right now. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for reaching out. And finally, I was able to have a conversation with Jennifer Moreno. She is a licensed clinical professional counselor and the executive director of SNJ Wellness in Warrenville, Illinois. We've been chatting a lot uh, this morning and over the last few days, of course, about uh, the emotional response to uh, the tragic events in Highland Park on Monday. And now um, we're a few days uh, from the event, but certainly everyone is still very much feeling the weight of it. Um, And I just wondered, are there tools... Or uh, coping, you know, um, I guess coping tools, coping mechanisms that you recommend for people who are working through the tragic events that happened on Monday? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So right now we're in the the phase of what we would call um, acute stress reactions. So this is going to occur after um, a traumatic event such as uh, a mass shooting. And symptoms arise, usually three Three, two or three days after an event like this, and um, it can continue on for months and eventually turn into PTSD. So right now is the is the time to talk with kids, talk with youth, address the interpersonal feelings um, that um, anyone who attended or knew someone that attended. Um, the best bet to do is to seek therapy at this time. Uh, I would definitely recommend reaching out to a mental health provider to kind of work through what's going on, um, the feelings that come after this. There are, like if uh, for a parent, it's very key to talk to your kids about it, to ask them what they know, ask them how they feel, to be kind of open with your kids about it, open with each other, your partner, your family, and start really um, addressing what's going on. So the best bet really is to to seek either a crisis session, a therapy session with a mental health provider in your area. Um, there is definitely a crisis hotline um, that can be used for a variety of things. Um, and I'm going to actually provide that number. That's how important it is. Um, so 800-273-8255 is a good uh, first step to call. Um, oftentimes, 
people can call their insurance and do a good Google search of providers in the area. So the key is to not stuff down what's going on, but to really, really open up and talk about it. Are there ways that we can, um, I know sometimes these conversations are difficult with friends, with coworkers, with loved ones, but if we start to notice something in a friend, a family member, a coworker, um, mm-hmm. how can we begin to have that conversation with someone to say that, hey, I, I, I think you're in a place where it's time to get some help or we need to talk about this or um, how can we begin those conversations? Direct. Direct. You want to, you know, validate and normalize what's going on. You know, if, if I'm thinking of if I was talking to a friend and I noticed some things, so some of the things you would notice are maybe dazing off, uh, losing track of time, being unable to concentrate, um, a lot of anxiety, um, probably even wanting to avoid crowds. That would be a very normal reaction right now. I would um, directly address, hey, Hey, how are you? Let's let's talk a little bit about how you're feeling. And that's, you know, we don't want to stuff that down. We don't want to avoid it. We really want to to check in on our people and address what's going on and then normalize those those feelings and those reactions because all of it is is very normal. It's a normal reaction to a very abnormal event. So every year um, growing up, my family and I would go to the parade in Mount Prospect, and we were actually um, in Mount Prospect on Monday gearing up to head down to the parade that was supposed to start about 1 o'clock as we got the news of what happened. Obviously, in so many communities, not just here in the Chicago area, but coast to coast, parades and carnivals and fireworks events are all a big part of uh, a 4th of July celebration and uh, become a part of a lot of celebrations of gatherings and things like that. You know, moving forward as uh, as time moves on, and this memory will become attached to what the Fourth of July is. Are there things that we can watch out for in time to come in friends and family? As um, oh, hey, let's head to the Magmaya Lights Festival in the winter and see the you know into a big crowd of people, and maybe some start to feel uncomfortable at the idea of being in a crowd or going to a football game and. Uh, what things should we have our eye out for in ourselves um, and in our friends in terms of that conversation? Yeah, um, definitely an overall anxiety experience. So it could be heart palpitations. Um, someone, like you said, directly saying, "Yeah, I don't. I'm not comfortable going into a crowd." And some people, especially children, might not be able to verbalize that at all. Uh, so children may. May, may act out in a sense, maybe refuse to want to go, and that's okay, you know, so we want to hone in on that and say, hey, that's okay that you don't want to go. Um, so thinking of going into a crowd, just just anxiety, heart palpitations, sweaty palms, uh, nervousness, even getting getting angry easier, feeling, uh, coming across as in a bad mood, um, going out of your way to avoid people or places, all of that very, very normal. Nightmares is another concern for after an event like this happens. Okay. Um, memories that kind of flash back. Are there ways now, you know, I think back through the pandemic, uh, mental health, the conversation became, um, came to the forefront and I think became much more important and also became much easier to talk about in that so many people around us were seeking um, help in regards to their mental health. And having that conversation with little kids, 
And I, I want to make sure that my kids grow up in an environment where they understand that taking care of your mental health is important. It's not taboo. It's not something that we shouldn't talk about. It's very important. Just as you uh, want to take care of your physical body, you need to take care of your mental body. How do we talk to kids about mental health and about making it something that's important in their life? Yeah, you know, being very open and coming from a non-judgmental approach, you know, sometimes like a, a parent may want to also talk to their kids about how they're feeling so that the child knows that what they're feeling is not unusual, it's to be expected um, at this point. You know, checking in on how their sleep is, monitoring how they're eating, like if they normally, if the child or the youth normally has a good appetite, and all of a sudden they don't want to eat, they want to stay in their room, um, I would definitely, definitely hone in on that and talk to them and, you know, use words like, um, are you feeling upset? Are you feeling scared? You know, I'm, I might be feeling scared too, so why don't you talk to me about that? And letting them know that there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with feeling sad or distressed. And so putting it all on a, on a table to kind of just talk together with them, you know, letting them know that it's okay, it's normal, they're not in trouble, and that you want to, to help them feel better and, and get through this. Another thing that I would encourage, though, um, at this time is to be cautious about too much media exposure okay. for kids, especially young kids right now. And that has me thinking, and this is um, a difficult question to even consider, but um, as these incidents have happened over the years, um, often the parents of the people involved in the incidents are surprised that their child would have done this thing. Um, and, mm. I, and, and we're seeing a little bit of that um, in this incident as well. And um, what can parents do with their, or look out for with their children to make sure um, that they're feeling supported and that they're not heading down this kind of path. I don't really even know how to phrase this in the right way, but um, I guess what are red flag things that parents can keep their eyes out for? Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I would monitor, like, you know, check in on journals if you can. Okay. Um, but not in, a, not in a way where you're, hey, let me see your journal but more in an open format. You know, what are you writing about? Mm. This, looks, this looks interesting, or this is kind of scary. Tell me about this. If you see some uh, violence in writing, violence in drawing, any um, kind of focus on any violence, I would immediately take them to a mental health professional to try to work through that. Uh, some people may need, some kids may need medication. Some kids may need just therapy. To talk, uh, be mindful of uh, of the friends that that kids are around. You know, so good influences, a very open communication style is very important. So the child trusts you, you trust the child. It becomes a back and forth of just open communication. But with that being said, you know you can do everything. Yeah. Sometimes kids grow up and don't make the right choices, so I wouldn't want anyone to feel. Um, they take on a bunch of guilt, but having that open communication is very important. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. These are 
difficult conversations to have, but I think um, certainly for us here at The Mix that we believe they're important conversations to have. And I'm really grateful that um, you were willing to set aside some time to chat today. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. No worries. Uh, this is Jennifer uh, Moreno. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope that uh, anyone listening was able to uh, at least learn something or find some um, some some tools that could be used. So are there any websites or any, um, if you want to give that phone number one more time that you referenced earlier, and I can include it as well in the description of the podcast so that people have access to it. Yeah, I would actually um, look up the National Child Traumatic Stress Network if you're looking at talking with kids. They have a whole host of resources in English and Spanish. So that would be www.nctsn.org. And then we have our general um, suicide prevention hotline mostly, but they also can do crisis. And so now there is a more local one near Fox Valley, and that is 630-906-0516. There's also 800-273-8255. And then if you did a Google search of any uh, mental health practices near you, good bet that they would be able to direct you to a more local um, call line or some support in your area. Thank you. And I'll include that in the uh, description of the podcast so you can tap through and have access to all of that. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you found these conversations helpful. And our thanks to Dory, to Vanessa, and to Jennifer for joining us today. These conversations are difficult, but they are certainly important. For more information and resources, you can head to the description of this podcast wherever you're listening or head to WTMX.com for ways that you can get involved and help the Highland Park community in the wake of this unbelievable tragedy. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to grammarly.com podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's grammarly.com slash podcasts.